React is an immensely popular JavaScript library that is used to build website user interfaces. A key feature of React is that it uses a virtual document object model, or DOM, to selectively update the desired regions of the web page, which provides major performance advantages. Million.js is an open source project that provides an optimized virtual DOM. Remarkably, these optimizations make React up to 70% faster, and the code weighs in at less than 4 kilobytes in size. Aiden Bai is the creator of Million.js, and he joins us in this episode. This episode of Software Engineering Daily is hosted by Mike Bifulco. Check the show notes for more information on Mike's work and where to find him. Welcome back to Software Engineering Daily. My name is Mike Bifulco. I am one of the hosts of Software Engineering Daily. Uh, and I have, for a very long time, been living in the world of React uh, and building applications and uh, websites and tools and all sorts of things with React. And um, it is one of my uh, major interests in this world as a professional person, which is why today I am super, super excited to be uh, hanging out and talking with uh, Aiden Bai, the creator of uh, Million.js. Uh, Aiden, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. I appreciate you joining me. How are you doing? Hey, Mike, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm really excited to be on this podcast and talk a little bit about Million. Of course. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm uh, glad you're here, too. And I have so many questions for you. Uh, but before we do that, why don't we start with like Million.js 101? Can you tell me what Million.js is and uh, how the project got started? Sure. Yeah, Million is uh, a drop-in replacement for React. So essentially, you can install Million, put in your bundler, bundler like V or Next.js, and it optimizes components for you. Um, I kind of got started because, uh, so funny story, my grandma owns a 2015 iPad. And if you know anything about slow iPads is that they can't load websites. They suck at loading websites. And so every time I send my uh, grandma like a cat TikTok, an ice cream TikTok, it just wouldn't load. And I was so frustrated because I understand why these developers have slow websites. It's because, you know, React is slow. It doesn't work in the majority of low-end devices around the world. Um, but I kind of thought about it. It's like, okay, what if we designed better frameworks for developers to work with? What if we designed React, but faster? Um, so essentially, Million is um, trying to answer the question of what if we can retain the current developer experience or make it better while ensuring great developer user experience. Yeah, got it. Uh, really interesting to hear that the project kind of comes from just uh, wanting to share cat memes with with your grandma. I think that's like uh, something that most of us can relate to. And in all honesty, something that people forget a lot is that like most of the devices in the world are not your super fast iPhone or MacBook Pro or iPad. Uh, many, many, many people are using devices that are like a year or three or five or seven behind. Uh, and so it's easy to think as developers that like everyone has the performance luxuries that we have. Uh, but of course, that's not true. And so you created Million as as a um, uh, sort of an experiment to replace the um, the React developer experience, and it sounds like it was pretty successful, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, statistics of the performance gains? Sure. On the uh, JS framework benchmark, which is kind of like the community accepted benchmark for JavaScript frameworks, um, it's around seventy percent faster than um, React, around forty percent faster than Preact. Uh, although I assume it, it could scale depending on like depending how your user interface looks like, like if you have a lot of static content, um, it could work very well. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty dang fast. Um, 
in terms of like loading, it's also like a bit initialization and, and rendering is both fast. Yeah, incredibly fast. A 70% gain is something that uh, most projects like dream about within their entire lifespan and, and can take years and years to get to. Um, so how did you achieve that? Like what, what did you have to do to, to gain 70% performance benefit over the standard uh, React virtual DOM? Yeah, so yeah, and like you said, React uses a virtual DOM. And the issue with the virtual DOM is that you have to do something called like tree diffing. So like imagine you have like two big trees and you have to check every single node in the tree to see if it's changed. Um, and that kind of sucks because as your components or as your app gets bigger, the bigger the trees get, the more work the virtual DOM has to do and the slower your app gets. Um, Million kind of takes a different approach. Um, instead of running that diff every single time you render, we use a compiler. The compiler figures out which nodes are dynamic. So for example, if you have like, uh, like a count state or like an open or closed state, we know where those things are. And so instead of diffing the tree every single time, we just update that specific node. And so we basically turn the, the, uh, the time complexity from like O of N to the power or whatever to O of what? That's pretty shocking. Uh, and definitely one of those things that makes a lot of sense as you sort of start to, to parse the problem space that you're in. Uh, and I think that um, the obviousness of the approach makes more sense, like sort of in retrospect. Um, it, it sounds like something that uh, obviously the React team will will value kind of the, the difference here and, and will understand the gains. Um, how did you get there? Like, how did you you uh, start to understand that React has a performance problem and have the desire to like, okay, I want to improve the performance on React? Like, I don't, uh, I would love to know about the journey from A to B there. Like, I have a goal, I have a problem. How do you connect those two things in this case? Right, right, exactly. Um, I, I, React has a performance problem, but it has always been kind of muted because our hardware just gets better every single year, right? Um, and so, you know, on the majority of developers' devices, or like in, you know, the the first world, uh, you you have really fast devices. And so if your bottleneck is rendering, it doesn't really matter unless it gets to like 100,000 elements or something crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I live I live in a family where we don't have the latest devices except for me. So I, I you know, I get firsthand of like, what is, what exactly the problem is. Um, and so... React has gone down. I've, I was chatting with Ryan Carniato from SolidJS, which is a similar React alternative that's super fast. Um, and it's really interesting because how I kind of discovered this sort of technique um, to make virtual DOM faster was from a project called BlockDOM, um, which is essentially like quote, quote unquote predecessor for Million. Um, it's actually used in some other stuff as well. Um, but the, the main difference from Million and BlockDOM is that uh, we actually applied it to React. And so one of the things I wanted to do was what if we could take a really, really fast virtual DOM and put it inside React. But it's really interesting because uh, Ryan actually mentioned that uh, Dominic, who worked on Inferno.js, now Svelte, um, actually created this idea several years, several years prior while he was on the React team. And it was really interesting because um, from what I understand, the React team was at a fork they could either choose to um, go with the, you know, the million sort of rendering route or with concurrence. So like the thing we have now with start transition. Uh, and so it's interesting that this is what React could have been. Um, so million is kind of like, yeah, reenacting what it could have been. Yeah, sure. Uh, and obviously like there, there's a lot of complexities that go into making those decisions, especially on a, a big team like 
the the React team at, at Meta, and now my understanding is that the React team is is sort of more than just Meta, right? It's like a broader group from around the world. Um, and I'm sure that one of the complexities of making those decisions is that you have to take into account like many, many more important use cases uh, that might be not just performance, it might be uh, developer experience, it might be things like compatibility across browsers and you know with with React Native and things like that too. Um, one of the things that stood out to me the most about Million is that uh, it also sort of interops with React. So you can use Million within a sort of standard React project, and that's kind of the, the standard developer experience. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's actually our goal. Our goal is uh, essentially, what if we can have React, like this is essentially like the analogy, we can have our cake and eat it too. We can use React and also make it really fast. Um, although our approach is a little bit different from if you've heard of like Preact Compat or Inferno Compat, like those libraries try to like essentially essentially what they do is they masquerade as React. They have all the same APIs as React, um, and they just pretend to be React. We actually take a slightly different approach. Uh, we understand that React is okay for certain things, right? Like for example, if you have two elements, you probably don't need a whole blown out virtual DOM for that. But if you have a lot of elements, you might need it. And so we provide two modes, automatic and manual. Automatic makes has a compiler that makes all the decision making for you. It determines which components should use our ABIs and which components should use Reacts. Um, another thing is we have manual. So like if you want to opt into specific things, like if you have like a really long virtualized list and you need to like configure that with your thing, you can manually do it that yourself as well. Yeah, got it. And so for, from a developer experience uh, perspective, it kind of allows you to like choose when Million makes the most sense for you. And uh, maybe the inverse of that is choose when uh, leaning on plain old React makes sense for you too, uh, w which gives a lot of control. And I'm sure that's something that like um, as, as a side effect uh, allows people to uh, integrate Million without having to take it on for everything. Uh, which is really cool. And so then I guess my next question is like, what is what does Hello World look like when you're using Million? What's the very like simplest way to integrate and add Million to a project if I want to experiment with it? Yeah, our, our hope is that you can do, you can integrate Million at any scale. Um, and so whether you have a giant project that you've been maintaining for years or you're just getting started with Create React app, you can integrate at any level. <laughs> we do have a start so essentially you can play with like interactive guide and see exactly how fast the performance is compared to react uh, and it's on our website million.dev if you want to check it out cool yeah uh i was i was on there before looking at some of the code snippets and it's like for, for the the gain of 70 percent performance um the little get started like quick start tutorial is like uh gosh i don't know maybe changing 10 lines of code total or something like that uh, kind of a, a pretty mind-blowing experience and definitely comes down to some very thoughtful uh, developer experience that's engineered into uh, the library. And I think that's that's really something that's uh, quite the accomplishment and something to be celebrated there. Um, I do also feel like maybe I've buried the lead a little bit in talking about Million because it's, it's not uh, necessarily like a trivial project. Like you've gotten a ton of attention for this. So at the moment, as you and I are talking, uh, Million has 11.6 thousand stars on GitHub. Uh, it was featured in a video from Fireship. There's a bunch of people who've talked about this online who are sort of like pundits, luminaries in the uh, developer world. Um, I'm really, really curious to hear like, what does that mean for you? Like as you built this project, um, you know, initially, were you working on it alone? Were you collaborating with other people? And what was it like when you started to get attention with the project? 
Yeah, it's been quite a long journey. It's actually been two years now. Um, It's been very interesting. Um, It was, it was, it was, and it has always been a side project to me until recently. Uh, Like literally in between high school classes, like whether I was in AP economics or AP calculus or you know AP literature, I would be on my Chromebook or on my laptop um, just coding. Uh, And it's 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 really interesting because all the people keep asking me like okay well how did you get into virtual doms and you know i don't really know either i just thought it was really interesting um uh, i i i come to realize that i i learned very slow but i'm really interested in really pretty like kind of i wouldn't say esoteric concepts but like very weird things that people don't like necessarily think about and so i love building you know i, I love building virtual doms because you know it, i there was, it was a challenge to me. Like there was not, there's zero documentation on how to do virtual DOMs. Um, you know, that figuring out how to make it fast was just really, really fun for me. Um, in terms of like how when it started blowing up, I, I, in around December ish, I started posting on Twitter. Um, I the reason why is because I didn't want to post on Hacker News anymore. I I think I either either was you know either getting you know. Hacker news or it was a shadow ban or whatever. Um, so yeah, I just started posting stuff on Twitter, like oh, I made this thing, I made this thing, and just kind of grew from there. Um, I the, the kind of catalyst was uh, I posted like a really really like sick video on Twitter, and I was like the virtual doll replacement for React, and it was just like this crazy Apple style video, and then like it kind of blew up, um, partially because it was kind of cool, but also like. Partially because the video was like super over the top, <laughs> and uh, and so that that kind of blew up, and from there, you know, the stars came in, the you know, eleven thousand, whatever. Yeah, yeah, got it. So, uh, you also um have have um uh sort of brought in in an interesting and kind of bombastic point there too. Uh, so you said you've been working on this for two years, and at the time when the project started, you were in high school. Uh. Right now, uh, my understanding is you're you're headed off to university uh, in probably a few weeks here, I would guess. Um, but so you were in high school building something that got essentially worldwide attention from the developer community, uh, and also uh, built like a, a really intensely cool trailer for this thing that you had made. Um, from my perspective, that feels like you not only understand some pretty intense computer science uh, topics, you, you also have a knack for uh, marketing yourself and marketing projects that you're working on. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you got there? Like, when did you start coding? Yeah, I, I started coding. Actually, I didn't have a computer at home, and so um, my the only technology we had was like this super old, like what is it called? Like the the phone with the keypad on it, whatever that's called. Oh yeah, and, like a feature yeah, phone. Yeah. Yeah. Like a feature phone, exactly. And so uh, when in fifth grade, when the school started distributing like uh, Chromebooks or, or like devices um, to all the students, I I was kind of addicted. Not because I wanted to code, but because I wanted to play cool math games, uh, games like Papa's Pizzeria or like Pac-Man were my jam. And so one day, you know, this cool caught win of a lot of students playing games, and they wanted people to be productive, right? They should be in cool docs instead of cool math games. And so they implemented a firewall, and that ruined my day, but not for long. And so I. I just went online. I just looked for how do I unblock these games? How do I use this? I discovered like iframes, like proxies, VPNs, or whatever. And from there, I you know kind of figured it out from there. I like learned HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and so on. 
Yeah. Wow. Necessity is the mother of invention. Huh? All this just to just to play some games, I think, is pretty cool. Uh, and, and so your your interest in um, software development kind of came from from a reasonably early age as well. Um, but I, you also seem to have a really good skill at uh, like video editing and some of that stuff too. Uh, I noticed your personal website is Aiden.mov, uh, which which has to be a nod to movies, I'm guessing, and sort of uh, video editing and production stuff like that. Um, how did you get into that stuff? Yeah, actually, I I'm not the the main video editor for that specific video. Um, the I I'm lucky to have a bunch of talented friends, like literally, actually younger than me. <laughs> so I you know. I, I used to play a lot of Minecraft as well. And so just like talking with people in Minecraft and, you know, they just, one of them just happened to be very good at um, video editing. So I'm very lucky to have people around me that can help around with the project as well. Yeah, cool. That's that's really cool. Uh, always nice to be surrounded by people who are talented as well. And I'm sure there's lots to learn from them too. Um, so you, you are, uh, you just finished uh, high school and you're headed off to university. Um, what are you planning on studying? I, I plan to study computer science, but I don't know if I plan on studying that much. Um, I <laughs> personally, I've always been kind of adverse to classes. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy them, or actually, I, I never enjoyed them. But like, it's not that I don't hate them, that I hate them. It's just that I always find myself distracted with something that I want to actually, or something that I'm actually interested in. Um, and so, I, I plan to use university as kind of like a social arena, and so. Um, how do I say this? Like, I plan to use university as like onboarding to life. A lot of the things that I have to learn through university is that. Um, in terms of education, I, I it'd be really cool to learn some new classes, but um, also graduating is not a requirement. Sure. Wow, man, you you are uh, wiser than your years from the sounds of it. That's a really interesting perspective to have. I am um, I'm I'm a few years removed from my undergrad university experience at this point, but. I feel pretty strongly that like one of the most valuable things I got out of it was the social experience and the intermingling of people with um, various different backgrounds and interests from my own. Uh, and uh, graduation not being a requirement, like, man, that takes some stuns. I appreciate that. I think that's that's really cool perspective to have there. So um, you're studying computer science. Uh, you're, you're off to university in probably a manner, manner of weeks here. Um, so what does your, your work balance look like? Are you working on millions still? Is there a team built around it? What's that look like? Yeah, most of the engineering is pretty much still me, but we do have a community team um, around it. So people help post like on the community Twitter, or on the Discord, and there's a lot of active folks that I, I, I'm glad to have on. Um, I Work-life balance is probably something I'm trying to still learn. Uh, like, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting because Originally, it was good, pretty good, because it was just a side project, right? You just worked on it whatever you want, maybe on weekends or nights. Um, but when it blows up, you kind of like are hit with a bunch of um, volume, like traffic and volume. And so like whether it be issues or, you know, whatever. And so it's very difficult to balance that because it always feels kind of like a continuous cycle of, okay, now I have to fix this issue or I have to implement this feature or I have to ship this thing. So it's a bit tiring, but I'm learning how to balance it. Sure. Well, uh, this is one of those places where I feel like my experience has been, uh, you're always kind of surfing the balance between work and life and, uh, that, that work-life balance is maybe a bit of a misnomer. Like it's kind of work-life coexistence and figuring out how to make those things work for you. Um, you've also been thrust into like a really interesting position where you're, you've got this project that has all this attention that has like 
lots of real devs who are interested in using it. Uh, have you found many people who are using it for projects that are like actually in production? Yeah, uh, a company called Wise, WYZ is actually from Seattle, is using it. Um, there, are, there are a couple of companies I'm talking to that are interested in using it as well. Um, a, a lot of it, it, I think, comes down to how easy it is to integrate. Um, we purposely made it so that it's, I mean, it's literally install and it, put it in your bundler, right? And so making that process really smooth has been really important and really great for adoption and interest as well. I think that you are in an enviable place where there's lots of people who are interested in your project. And uh, there's there's loads of people who are no doubt asking things of you, like uh, expecting that you're working on this thing nonstop. And uh, to a certain extent, I'm sure there are people who don't have the context that you're like about to be a student entering a fairly busy time and that this started as a side project and is now something that's uh, grown to a size that's, that's pretty uh, massive. Um, What's it like managing a project this big? Have you found that building the community around it is something that uh, comes naturally to you or does it have its own challenges as well? Oh, no, I'm terrible at it, uh, frankly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm i still learning a lot. I, you know, I, I've never been in like a position of leadership before. And so being thrust into it is like very challenging. Um, people's skills are not my thing. That's why I code all day. But I am... I'm, I'm really, actually really fortunate to have this opportunity to learn more about it. Um, like one thing I, 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 I'm really happy is I brought on a couple people from my, for the community team just to help. And I, I can, it's really cool because I can kind of experiment and learn from them and see how they do it. Um, right. It's cause it's like, this project is difficult. It's, it's one, one part of it is leadership in terms of like working with people, but also like actually building relationships with, you know. 20 people at once and also do, working on PRs and fixing issues and there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. Um, but it's really cool. I think personally, I, this may sound very naive, but it, it's kind of changed my perspective on what I want to do. Um, open source is really cool because it's a medium where I can actually impact the world, whether it be you know 10 or hundreds or thousands of people um, and provide just a little bit of help to everyone. Um, my hope is I can kind of dedicate maybe my next working years to open source. I think this is naive, but I think it's really, I think it's really important. I, there's projects like Linux really inspire me because like, it's just like one guy in Portland who has a cat and like, he just sits at his computer <laughs> and it's like, and then like, I don't know, like hundreds of thousands or thousands of people come together to, to make this thing as impacts millions of people. It's just, it's so cool to me. Like uh, open source is super cool. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's something that um, you've also sort of like threaded the needle on a problem that's really tough to crack for a lot of people. There are many people who have successful open source projects and manage things that get attention from thousands of people and uh, never really find a way to turn that into a sustainable model. Um, one of the perpetual elephants in the room for open source software is how do we fund the work of the people who's going into making these projects and products and how does that work? And um, my understanding is that million, at least right now, it looks like from the GitHub repo that you've got a, a pretty solid backing for sponsorship going. Um, how did that start? Did you have people offer sponsorship to you or did you sort of reach out and say like, hey, I like working on this more than I thought and I, I need to spin up a, a sponsor thing to be able to fund it? Frankly, I, we're still figuring this out and I honestly don't really know what I'm doing. Um, so far, what I've been doing is just throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, I... I really fortunate, like I, I can kind of position myself as a student and I say like, I need this money for whatever, whatever, right? 
And so there has been a little bit of success. We're, we're actually break even now with our from market of sponsors, um, which is really awesome. Yeah. So yeah. My, congratulations. The, yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's like I'm working open source and also working at a literal net loss. And so um, now, now, now it's not, but I'm really fortunate that's, that's the case. So definitely writing a really strong pitch for the GitHub sponsors, kind of tweeting about it, say, uh, can you support me? Um, but also what I found success in, especially is open source grants and fellowships. Um, I found that um, if you're able to build an open source projects, if there's any maintainers listening out there, um, it may be a good idea to position, kind of sell your, not sell yourself, but like apply as yourself. Um, because if you're able to build like, build and scale an open source project, um, that means you have some sort of success there, right? And so applying for fellowships and grants has been really successful for me um, in terms of getting funding. Sure. So how do you find those? It's definitely, if you look up open source grant right now, like I can name a few, Emergent Ventures, Z Fellows, uh, Sequoia's open source fund. Um, there, there's a bunch that that are generally non-dilutive and no, no string attached um, that are pretty interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's also a very interesting point that like, uh, getting your project funded without attaching too much, um, uh, strings to it, so to say is, is really important. Um, there are definitely grants and programs and uh, sponsorships available that sort of like make you, um, uh, in, in one way or another, owe time or effort or, uh, licensing or whatever it may be to the people who are sponsoring you. And, um, there's a real balance to be struck there and it really depends on the project and like having a deep understanding of, um, open source licensing, open source law to a certain extent. And like the, the program that you're trying to build is super important. Um, this is probably also where I should say I'm not a lawyer. Aiden, I'm guessing you're not a lawyer. Don't take legal advice from us, but definitely like, uh, go, go do some, uh, serious research. If you're trying to, to crack this knot, uh, it, it's a really interesting thing. And I also think this is probably a really good point, uh, to, to, uh, drop some, um, uh, plugs for you here too, Aiden. Um, where should people go if they want to back you and they want to back million? Yeah. Just if you look up, uh, million.dev or go to our GitHub, you can, there's a sponsor link. And if you want to sponsor us, that'd be awesome. Um, I'm Aiden, A-I-D-E-N-Y-B-A-I on GitHub. Um, if you want to check me out. Cool. Yeah. And I will make absolutely certain that there's links to all that in the show notes for people listening here. Uh, it's, it's a really, um, an inspiring project and a very cool thing to, to see you building. Um, what, what is sort of coming next for Million.js? Are there um, features or releases in the works that you're excited about? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been thinking a lot about kind of regenerative web applications. I'm like, what I mean by that is, what if web applications can have knowledge on how they run on users' devices? Um, I, I'm, I'm a strong advocate of developer developers. I love developers, great developer experience. But I also know that balancing user experience is it, user experience is, is like a, for me, it's like first principles. It has to be there. It's the fundamentals of your application. And so I've been exploring ways Million can essentially get diagnostics from like a real-time web application. So let's say you like deploy your web app or Next.js web app to the web and some sort of monitoring applications like Datadog, Sentry or whatever um, can essentially get data on how users experience your application. It can identify which components are slow or fast and apply million to them. And so kind of you can you can kind of think about it as web apps regenerate. They 
figure out which parts of that engine are slow and they can apply Millie to it. Yeah. So over time, they actually get more performant by learning about which parts of them are, are sort of least performant. Um, super cool. That's, that's such an interesting idea. And it's definitely like an adaptive use case, almost like a, um, uh, like an evolution. They, the app itself is, is making itself better, which is a, a very, very intriguing thing to see. And definitely, uh, I can imagine the value when you're collecting data with Sentry or Datadog or, or whatever the case may be that like, you're learning more about the app. You're learning about how people are using and experiencing it. Uh, that's almost like a meta analysis of the information that's coming in. That's, that's super, super cool. I think people tend to use um, you know, Sentry, for example, for error logs and event reports and things like that. But uh, every single one of those things has a timestamp on it. And there's something to be learned from all those little bits of information. Uh, fascinating. I really like that. I think that's super cool. Uh, okay, so let, let's let's uh, take a step aside from Million. Uh, you're headed off to university. You may or may not finish university, depending on what the future holds for you. Um, let's say pie in the sky, you had your choice to work on anything in the world. What do you think you would be working on? Um, I've been working on Million. I think it's for me, it's the most interesting thing for me right now. I, I'm definitely interested in other projects. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not... Okay, maybe I'm a little bit obsessed with Million, but uh, I, I'll be... Yeah, I've been definitely working on like the other day I, I worked on like be real for touching grass. Um just to get like CS majors to go outside. Um yeah. so you know, I'm always working on funny side projects, but um yeah, mainly if I work on it. Cool. Right on. I, I appreciate that. And I think you've very obviously done a good job of picking a passion project that's like exactly in the center of your Venn diagram of passions and interests. Um okay, I I wanna pull a thread a little bit on building community online. So uh, like I said, you, you seem to have a really good knack for sort of marketing yourself and building support for yourself, but that obviously doesn't come from nowhere. Uh, you know, some of it is maybe dropping a trailer that gets people's attention, but, um, what have you found to be like ways that you've, um, connected with people online or generated support from people online, uh, without, um, you know, previously having a knockout project? Like what, what's that been like for you? Right. Building community is hard. It's, First of all, we don't do it perfectly. Uh, I don't do it perfectly. It's it's not great. But some techniques that I found pretty successful are a million is like something that's easy to rally behind. Um, I think people are excited about million. They think that you know they're tired of performance. That's why things like Astro or Solid exist, right? Um, million is able to be have that positioning where you can't really hate it. You can only really kind of love it, right? And so people are really excited about million. Um, one of our things is we have a discord we we do like events we do posts we do whatever and so we have a bunch of people interacting our discord we kind of build this really strong core community uh but other thing we do is one thing i personally do is i tweet like very like uh you know i i'm very personal on twitter like i i don't want i'm not trying to sell you anything like i know Superbase does like I don't know what they do, like the like the little cat memes. I think they're funny. It's just like they don't really hit that well. And so, um, kind of if you if you be personal, if you're just you're not trying to sell anything, you're just saying like I like this thing or like I'm doing this thing, people will will support you there. Um, and the third thing is what I found really good is people who interact with their community, like and also contribute PRs. You should invite them as collaborators to your GitHub repo. Um, that might be a little bit dangerous, but like what I found really successful with that is people feel ownership over the project. Um, I think that's why I started Millie in the first place. It's something that I kind of felt ownership over and I felt that I actually was making impact with. And so if you can share that little bit of ownership with a bunch of people, you can really, really 
build a strong core team. Yeah, that's one of those things that I think uh, people genuinely tend to have a very defensive position on initially. Uh, adding people to your GitHub repo, giving people permissions to merge things and whatever else can potentially be dangerous and damaging. Um, but in a lot of cases, people tend to do good first. Uh, and one of the nice things about Git, if done correctly, is there's a history of everything and you can always roll back changes if you need to. Um, obviously, the problems will come when they do, but uh, you know, if you're, if you're paying strong attention to your team and to uh, the code that's getting added to the project, there are healthy ways to do that too. I think that's, that's really... Um, uh, a genuinely uh, good perspective to have and definitely something that like can provide uh, growth and support for your community. Um, I do kind of also want to want to prod a little bit at um, what you said a minute ago about sharing on Twitter and being very personal on Twitter and kind of being yourself. Um, I, I think over the years, this is something that I've been figuring out. Um, I worked in developer relations for a while uh, doing, you know, like working in the developer community and helping people. And a big part of that is establishing a brand as a person on the internet who's helpful and knowledgeable and all those other things. Uh, and almost more so than um, being a smart person who can write code and do things and like make, you know, JavaScript do what you want to do. Uh, the things that I have always found create more attachment is like just sharing a little more about you with your project than just the project. Uh, you know, when you're having good days, when you're having bad days, like the, there's, um, uh, some value in sharing a sarcastic meme every once in a while because people see a real human behind that. And to a large extent, I think people attach to the human just as much as they do to the project. Uh, like Million is an insanely cool project and you're tackling something that will help potentially, you know, thousands and thousands and, and millions of people. Uh, but truly like some of the value of what you've built is that it comes from someone who's interesting and uh, open and, and different and kind of an outlier in the dev world. And I think that's... Um, a, a subtlety that we kind of often glaze over, uh, and, and is really something to admire. Uh, it's also like super hard to be open on Twitter, uh, in a world where, uh, I don't know, sometimes it feels like 99% of the internet is trolls too. Uh, how does that work for you? Like, do you, do you find yourself shying away from it from time to time? Yeah, for me, I, I definitely was not that, not a fan of Twitter when it gets, especially like, okay, I came from Hacker News. So it's like Twitter was kind of easy easy you know leave for me um but like yeah some you know some people are just like uh you know some people just have too much time on like i like i'm chronically online so like i kind of understand where they're coming from but like also no it, it is what it is there will always be trolls there will always be people who you know shut me down for no reason but the nice thing is there are a lot of great people online like a lot of the people i talk to in the community are from twitter right and so it's really cool to see positive like if you see the positive side of it and kind of ignore the negative side you'll be okay yeah yeah definitely um i want to know a little bit more about what it's like to come from hacker news so i think it's possible that at least some of the people listening to the show won't be hacker news literate won't have spent much time there before can you talk a little bit about first of all maybe what hacker news is and what the culture uh of, of hacker news uh, is like online yeah, from what I understand, Hacker News is like a form site for developers made by Y Combinator, which is like an accelerator VC thing. Um, it's very similar to Reddit, but it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's a lot of like very technical nerds and these nerds tend to be very, uh, in not a derogatory way, and I'm not saying nerds, like very like technical nerds in that tend to be uh, overly skeptical or overly dismissive. Um, and so it's a great way to 
I guess it's a pretty good way to validate your product because um, if they're pretty critical and like you can really figure out, well, de depending on what your product is, you can really figure out what is wrong with your product or like what things you can improve. Um, with it, it, It's really interesting because um, it also generates a lot of traffic. And so um, compared to Twitter, you can, you can get like a lot more developers seeing what you're building. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, this is probably also a good time for me to, in the interest of full disclosure, mention that I'm uh, CTO of a startup that is backed by Y Combinator. Uh, so I'm I'm in the middle of a, a Y Combinator batch, and uh, so there are some some probably important disclosures there that you know I'm I'm uh, not here to make a value judgment as to uh, your perspective on uh, YC or Hacker News or anything like that, but just kind of interested in the culture there. Um, yeah, you, you will get a lot of developer interest, uh, from Hacker News and a lot of people who are like wildly smart and deeply interested in certain very specific wedges of building software. And, uh, I think especially for projects like Million, like you'll get the right eyes on the thing and, uh, start to build momentum very quickly in that way. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit then about uh, what's to come for you. So you're headed off to university. You're going to keep developing this project, um, how do you see yourself uh, sort of uh, continuing to maintain the project over the next few years? Is your uh, job going to be primarily like orchestrating things and getting volunteers from the community to work on the project? Do you see yourself as sort of uh, remaining as the head of the um, the architecture and engineering behind Million? Or is, is that something you think eventually will shift for you? Yeah, uh, frankly, I'm still figuring it out. Um, what I'm doing right now is just trying a bunch of things and seeing what works. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to graduate in two years because I took like way too many advanced placement classes in high school. Um, but also that comes with benefits, right? So I can I, I, I can take a very reduced course load and like primarily focus on this. Um for from where like it is in two years, I, I don't know. Um but I I what I want to achieve with Million is there either is more awareness or we have create more tools or create we perpetuate the idea that low-end devices, which power the majority of the world, are left behind. Um, I strongly believe, you know, these hardware is going to accelerate. It's going to become better, but we can't leave everyone else behind for the sake of, you know, our first world. And so I want to be able to have that, you know, that's either fifth grade year old me or my grandma's 2015 iPad be able to load today's websites. Sure. I, I think that's extremely admirable and uh, shows you have a lot of context and perspective on the world that um, can, can be very valuable going forward. Um, for folks who are listening to the show, uh, what's a good indicator to a developer who has a React project that Million is something that they should be interested in or try out? Yeah, honestly, I don't want to pres over prescribe, but honestly, you could plug in Million right now. Um, there is no downside technically because there, you know, if you use automatic mode, there is no trade-off. It figures out what the trade-offs are, determines whether it's okay, and it's, and it's like, okay. Um, it's I'm going to say it's around 10 minutes of your day, probably less than 10 minutes if you if your network speed is good. Um, but yeah, so just, just try it out. If you don't like it, don't use it. Um, if you have very data-heavy or UI-heavy applications, definitely try it out. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. Got it. Okay. And for, for the sake of the project, are there people or companies that you are uh, interested in talking to who you haven't been able to connect to yet? Uh, not, not specifically, but if you 
if if you're listening and you do want to reach out, um, I'm always available to chat. Um, I literally always available to chat. I probably probably awake at 4 a.m. at night for some reason. Cool. And uh, one more time for the sake of it, um, uh, uh, Million JS is uh, open source and available on GitHub. Uh, you guys are accepting backers through GitHub sponsors. Uh, and I think it's probably important to call out that breaking even for a project like this is probably not where, nowhere near good enough. Um, and that, uh, you know, paying uh, for, for ramen for a student is not uh, um, complicit, or complicit on the level of this project, right? So like if you're listening to this and you're someone who has the ability to back open source projects or if you work at a company that has an open source uh, office, um, drop, drop aid in the line, take a look at the project. It's something that's super interesting. And I think that like supporting open source devs and building community around this is something we have a great opportunity to do here. Um, Aiden, one more time, where, where's the best place for people to find you online? Uh, Aiden, why buy anywhere online? So you could just look up Aiden, buy, it should pop up my GitHub website, whatever. Cool. Right on. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat and hang out with me today. Um, Aiden by from million JS. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, hanging out with you. I wish you the best of luck in university and with million and with all the things you've got coming your way. Uh, feel free to uh, come back on the show anytime. If you want to give us some updates on what you're working on and, uh, thanks for hanging out today. Likewise. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Take care.